stand. We can trust you. We thank you for that, Father. So tonight, Lord, we ask you to just continue to minister your grace and your mercy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we might hear and receive truth. And then, Father, that we might take that truth and apply it in our lives and walk in it. Father, have your way in this place, in our lives. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. It's a reminder, <clears throat> um, next Wednesday we will not have adult class. Um, they're going to be setting up the scenery and having a dress rehearsal for the uh, Christmas program, which we'll be having the following Sunday. And so just make sure you uh, um, remember that. If you're bringing kids, you can still sit out in the entryway and have fellowship with one another and, and uh, whatever else. But uh, there it is. Glory to God. So that's next week. Hope everybody's got their sweater picked out. Ugly sweater Sunday. I'm not telling. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I might just wear a suit. I need to get some new socks. Maybe I'll wear those. They're really pretty. They're red. Got stuff on them. Hallelujah. Well, when you're buying for the woman's party, you get to participate. <laughs> Amen. So, anyway. Tonight we're talking about um, being a witness. Still talking about believer's authority. Um, I don't know if you watched very much of the uh, funeral today. Um, but, you know, one of the things that blessed me was one of the interviews after the funeral. They were talking with, uh, I think his name is Brent. Brent? Yeah. And anyway, he was talking about how um, when the whole um, Tiger Woods thing took place and all the stuff that he was going through, he said, you know, <clears throat> he made the statement on the air and he got into all kinds of trouble about it, I guess. But he said he didn't care. He says, you know, the only thing that could have made this story really complete would have been if at the end he had received Christ as a Savior. I mean, that's what he said. And, you know, that blessed me in itself. But then he said um, one of the few responses that he got from that was from uh, George 41, that he sent him a note and said, I was really proud of the position that you were willing to take. So I thought that was kind of cool. So anyway, I'm not going to talk anymore about that because I'll cry. <clears throat> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I'm, all the tears are dried. Right. I, I mean, I mean, I bawled like a baby, oh, yeah. especially when I saw Baker. That just about did me in. So anyway, we're going to uh, continue our study tonight, and we're going to be looking at being a witness. You know, which, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've we've made this statement many times about. Um, you know, preach the gospel 
everywhere you go. But you wor use words only if you, if you have to. But, you know, I never realized that a form of that was um, George 41. That was, that was his motto. You know, that, uh, you know, his, his concept was preaching the gospel through deeds and so forth, which is preaching the gospel and use words only if you have to. So anyway, he was quite an individual. So, <clears throat> Jesus told his disciples that he gave them or was giving them power that they might be his witnesses. And so, we're going to start tonight by looking in Acts, the first chapter, you may think, why? I thought we were talking about the believer's authority. You know, I think oftentimes we've got kind of a misconception of the supernatural miracles, um, what believer's authority is and why it's there. I think oftentimes we look at it from the sense of the spectacular rather than the supernatural. And, you know, and I'm preaching here on Wednesday nights. I'm preaching in the um, prison up at Fort Dodge on Monday night. And so Monday night I was up there and I, I was sharing what I shared last week, you know, about miracles and so forth. And, uh, and I really emphasized with them that you know, the, the greatest miracle that they will ever encounter and have ever encountered was when they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the miraculous. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I've seen people healed and so forth, but yet the most miraculous miracle that you'll ever be able to have the opportunity to witness is when you get to pray with somebody and see them receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I mean, they may not even get excited about it or whatever, but um, their life at that very moment changes. And so it's, it's so wonderful to think that, that God entrusted us with that authority, that he, that he really doesn't have a plan B. He has one plan. And that's for you and I as his children to evangelize uh, to share this good news in this world that we live in. And so in Acts, the first chapter in the sixth verse, it says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So, again, you know, he's saying that uh, we're not going to know when the end is. I mean, there's signs of the times and so forth that we can look to, but the actual time, we're not going to know it. You know, and I believe that's why, you know, you've heard people, as I've heard people say, we need to live every day like Jesus is coming back today. You know, and uh, because he could. He may. The one thing we do know is that he is going to come back. I think a few weeks ago we talked about how um, back in 1988 there was an individual who wrote a book and there was 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 88. And uh, a lot of people purchased the book and 
and so forth. And it, but the only thing was, Jesus didn't come back in 1988. And so, in 1989, he wrote another book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Come Back in 1989. Now, I don't know if he wrote one in 2000 or not, but, you know, maybe he had his coffers full by then. You know, but he didn't come then either. And, uh, you know, I heard somebody say this one time. He says, you know, if, if somebody has given you a particular day that Jesus is coming back, uh, just take a stamp and stamp Ichabod on his forehead because Ichabod means the spirit is left. Now, now don't misunderstand me. There's, there's individuals that I love and respect that they predict they believe that Jesus is going to come back at such and such a time. Um, you know, and, and one of them was Hilton Sutton. He's going home to be with the Lord now, but Hilton said, I think everybody ought to have a day when they think Jesus is coming back. And, and he says, and when that day comes and goes, pick another day. <laughs> you know, but we need to have something we're looking forward. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody that is prophetically declaring that um, Jesus is going to come back on this particular day. The reason that that's not going to happen is because the scripture says it's not going to happen. And God is never going to do anything that comes against his scripture. And so one of the things that we can recognize whether somebody is in error or not is if they're speaking out something <clears throat> such as that that goes totally contrary to what the word of God says to us. Now again, I believe we're to know the times, we're, we're, we're going to know the seasons, there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be a knowing of some kind. I don't know, I wish I knew, but I don't. But I believe we will have an inkling that something's up. But we're not going to know those times, and so really what we're doing is when we're trying to do that, I think we're wasting a whole lot of energy. A lot of energy that we could be used to witness to others and bring them into the kingdom of God. Uh, we spend our time, well, as the scripture puts it, arguing about uh, trivial things. You know, <clears throat> it's, it's trivial to argue about when Jesus is coming back. Because the one thing that we know is that he is. And, and, and there, there's no discussion about, there's no need to argue about that. And so we get off into those. And so knowing that he's coming back, and I believe that if there's anything that's holding back the return of Jesus, it's that the numbers aren't complete. That everybody isn't in the kingdom that's to come into the kingdom. You remember last week we looked at a scripture and said that God's not, how did it phrase it? Um, slow, slow uh, yeah, I, I forget exactly what the terminology was, but he, he's not slow concerning his promises. You know, he's not long-suffering, yeah, concerning his promises. Why? Because it's going to come to pass. But he is long-suffering, and the reason that he is long-suffering is because he wants to see um, everybody come in that can possibly come in. And so, <clears throat> He says, we're not going to know the time of the seasons, but then he says to us in the 8th verse, 
but you shall receive power. So we're not going to receive power to know the days of the seasons, but he says, we shall receive power when the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we're called to go to the ends of the earth. You know, last Sunday, <clears throat> you know, I was, uh, I was, I was thrilled when Omega had her meeting about um, missions and so forth, and and she had asked me to make uh, a copy because I knew she was going to make copies, and so <clears throat> you know, as you know, I am such a great man of faith and power. I thought I'd just go ahead and make the copies for her, so I made six. And I thought, oh, hope this isn't too many. And what'd you have? Must have been a dozen. I have a woman of faith, so I made four more copies, so I had ten, and there were ten people there. <laughs> Here's the Holy Ghost. And, uh, but, you know, what's exciting to me about that is that you know, we've always talked about Abundant Life Ministries having a heart for the world, for missions. And to me, that was an indication of it. Because people wanted to come and they wanted to be a part of that. And that's, that's just the beginning of it. And so, <clears throat> he's given us authority. He gave us that position. And, uh, and I think I talked about this a little bit last week, too. You know, the problem is, is a lot of times what people want uh, is they want they want position, but they don't, they don't want to have to deal with the responsibility of it. They want, well, let me rephrase that. They want a title, but they don't want the responsibility that goes along with that title. And so we've been given the title as, as believer and uh, as Christian. And one of the responsibilities that goes along with that is that the initial command that Jesus gave us as a church, and that was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a general command for the church at large. But that's also an individual command to each and every one of us as believers that we, we recognize the responsibility that we have to go into all the world. Now, now why do we, why do we, need to accept that responsibility. It's because, like I already said, God doesn't have a plan B. It's us. He had enough confidence in the church that we would fulfill his plan, that he entrusted it to us, and, um, and that was the end of it. In Acts the 10th chapter, we have just a, a marvelous account of when um, Peter was called to Caesarea to Cornelius's house. And, and of course we know the whole story of how Cornelius was a, a Gentile. You know, and so uh, for Peter, he wasn't even supposed to go into his household. And, and <clears throat> I don't know if we fully understand the magnitude of the vision that Peter had when he kept seeing the sheet come down out of heaven. And the Lord said, that which I call clean, 
don't call unclean. And, uh, you know, it was animals and critters and stuff in the sheet. But the moment that they showed up at the door, Peter knew that there was a greater meaning to the vision that he had just had. And that because Gentiles were considered unclean, the Jew wasn't to eat with them, the Jew wasn't to associate with them, affiliate with them. Uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, we, we, we see that in Galatians. That was one of the things when uh, Peter and others began to be hypocritical. Uh, when the Judaizers came down from Jerusalem, that they, one of the things that they stopped doing was eating their meals together. And the reason they stopped eating their meals together was they were reverting back uh, to, the, to the Jewish laws, to the Jewish traditions. And within that, the Jews and the Gentiles were not allowed to eat with one another. And so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. And so let me read it. Because this is so important for us to understand this. Because here we have Peter, the stouch Jew. But God showed him that he was to step outside of his comfort zone and go minister the good news, the gospel to others, even those that he in the past wasn't comfortable with and familiar with. And so in chapter 10 of Acts, in the first chapter, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. <clears throat> now, because he, didn't do, he did all those things, that didn't qualify him. He still wasn't a Jew. And so then we read on, it says, and on the ninth hour, the hour he, he, had, he was, he saw, let me start again. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up from <clears throat> the, come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. When the angel who had spoken to him had departed, Cornelius called to from his household. Now this is what I want you to see in this. Religiously, oftentimes we make statements that sound wonderful, but they're not true. We'll make statements like, well, you know, if somebody doesn't get to him some way, somehow God will. Maybe he'll send an angel. Well, here's an example. Angels don't preach the gospel. We were sent to preach the gospel. We were sent to share 
with individuals the good news of Jesus. Because if angels preached the gospel, Cornelius would have never had to send for Peter. The angel just could have gone ahead and preached him because Paul, or excuse me, Cornelius already recognized that he was a messenger from God. You know, because basically that's, you know, one of the definitions of what an angel is, is a messenger from God. But you know, and, and now I can be corrected on this. If I'm wrong, I, I'll stand correction. But I don't know of an instance where an angel was able to preach the gospel to somebody. Every instance that I know of an angel, they came, they brought a message, you know, uh, sent, you know, an angel came to Jesus, or to Mary, told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus, showed up to Joseph, told Joseph to go to Egypt, and showed up again when he told him to go back home. You know, we see it in the Old Testament. We see angels showing up and, and uh, giving direction and bringing messages and so forth. And again, I'm, I'm open to correction. Probably not the, right now. You can get a hold of me after the service and I'll correct it in a couple weeks when we're back. <clears throat> but, but as far as I know, I don't know of an instance where an angel preached the gospel. You know, if, if an angel could preach the gospel, why aren't they preaching it during the Revelation, in the book of Revelation, when judgment is about to come upon humanity. But they're not. And it's because that's not their assignment. That's the assignment that's been given to us. We've been given the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. That one believing in that name that is preached to them can receive Christ Jesus. Think about this. We've been given not just simply the responsibility. We've been given the overwhelming honor to share the gospel with individuals to see them come into the kingdom of God. That's all because of the command that Jesus gave. He says, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll receive power from on high that you might preach the gospel to every creature in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And so that's what we've been called to do. Now, <clears throat> there's, there's other things that get involved that we're to do. You know, there are good works and so forth. I'm not anti-good works. But good works can be a deception if they get us off focus, if they get us to see or believe that our primary responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ, when we no longer see that primary responsibility preaching Jesus to wherever we go, we've, we've, we've lost sight, we've lost vision, we've lost direction, we've lost the direction because the direction is for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So, Peter then has this vision and he sees this sheet come down. And uh, the Lord says, that which I've called clean, don't you call unclean. And right when it 
is taken back up into heaven the third time, there's a knock on the door. And there's those individuals that were representing Cornelius. They've, they come to get him. And Peter, of course, immediately went with them. Now, what's so interesting about it is, this is kind of strained from the subject, but, you know, if God's calling us to do something, he's prepared us to do it. We're not on our own. We don't have to work on our own. Now, think about the process of this whole thing. I mean, this is our God. He's got everything in control. Speaks to Cornelius because he's a faithful man. Says, go and get Peter. He's going to share with you the things you need to, to hear. Well, you know, if they had just gone to get Peter, Peter probably wouldn't have come. Because why would he go to Cornelius' house? Because he's just a just a Gentile. And up until this point in time, the only people that they've been preaching to are the Jews. And they, they started some, but primarily, especially Peter. And so, while they're en route, Peter has a vision, has the vision of the sheet coming down with the unclean critters and everything else in it. And the Lord says, eat. And he says, no, Lord, nothing unclean has ever crossed these lips. Not going to happen. Well, three times it happened. And, and finally he realizes, not really talking about what you're eating. It's talking about, it's preparing him for something. And so when these men showed up, immediately Peter was ready to go. Why? Because of the message that had been given. Because God had prepared him. You know, <clears throat> I've, over the years I've heard many people say, well, you know, I'd like to witness, but I just, I'm just not prepared. That's just not who I am. We're prepared. Every one of us is prepared because every one of us knows more than somebody. I mean, if we know Jesus, we know more than somebody. And it isn't about the amount that we know. I don't know if this is going to sound right. This might sound screwy. But anyway, it's the depth of what we know. It's how we know Jesus. You know, <clears throat> you can hear people talk about Jesus. And then you hear people talk about Jesus. You know, uh, when George 43 talked about his dad, I don't know about you, I, I had no doubts that he loved his dad. Why? Because of what, what came out of him. And that's how it is with us and God. You know, we, we're, we're worried about the amount that we know. It's, it's about who we know. Because if we, if we know him, we're, we're going to be able to share him. Because it's not going to come out of here. It's going to come out of here. 
going to come out of our heart. 1 Peter 1.23 talks about having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so this, this truth that we've been given, you know, Sunday we talked about the sowing of the seed and how the seed is the word of God. And that seed is the, is the incorruptible. And that seed is always going to, it's always going to perform, it's always going to accomplish what it was sent forth to do. And, <clears throat> you know, oftentimes, I think we have our doubts as to whether that word is really going to produce what it says it's going to produce. And so what happens is we have a tendency to, to back down and, and uh, you know, we, we use the excuse, well, I'm, I don't know if I know enough. But we know enough. But what the truth is, do we really believe that the word is going to accomplish what the word says that it's going to accomplish? And that's what we need to, that's where we need to come to that point where we truly believe this. <clears throat> One of the deceptions is that <laughs> really irritate people. You can't pray people into the kingdom. Because there has to be a voice. There has to be a word that's heard. You know, well, well, pastor, you don't, you're, so you're saying we're not supposed to pray for the unbeliever. No, I'm, we are. But what do we pray? You know, it, it's kind of like the way we approach Christianity oftentimes is kind of the mental mentality of a candidate for Miss America. And when she's being interviewed, she says, I just want peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Well then do something about it. Because it is not just going to happen. Because number one, when the Bible talks about peace, it's not talking about the kind of peace that she's talking about. She's talking about a kind of peace where everybody get along with one another. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but that just didn't going to happen. <laughs> but you know what? There can be peace even in the midst of disagreement. Because, but it's, it's got a decision that's made on the part of people. And so in, it, it evolves around the words that are being spoken and so forth. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's an unrealistic statement to make. And so I'm just praying for the world. I'm just praying for a community to be saved. Well, praise the Lord. So you're praying for laborers to go out into the community and share the gospel with individuals. You're praying that the veil of darkness, because we, remember we talked about this a few weeks ago, maybe months ago now, but we pray, talked about how we pray that the veil of darkness be lifted so that they can see the truth the gospel, of the gospel, that they'd no longer be deceived. But you know, there's another part of prayer. <clears throat> if we're going to pray for something, 
I don't remember who I heard say this. But he said, if you're going to pray, then you need to be willing to put legs to that prayer. In other words, if you're going to pray for your community to be saved, then you need to be willing to go into the community. And I'm not saying just finding a soapbox someplace, but there may be the day for that. But it's living our life before him so that people can see the truth. You know, faith comes, according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's no other avenue. Angels can't produce faith. You know, I mean, thank God for praying in the Holy Ghost. But you know what? Praying in the Holy Ghost doesn't produce faith. Builds us up in faith. It strengthens the faith that we already have. But faith doesn't come by praying in the Holy Ghost. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so that's how it is in the lives of individuals. You know, that Saturday morning that I got born again, and I won't go into it because everybody's bored with it. I think it's pretty exciting. But that Saturday morning that I got born again, it wasn't because there were four guys in the room telling me, you know, how good looking I was. You know, and I really was. You know, I had a full beard at that time. And, well, we won't get into that. It was because they shared the word. And when that word was shared, it demanded that I do something with it. And I prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and my life's been different ever since. But it took that word to do it. And so <clears throat> when we're talking about that we've been given power, Holy Ghost power, to preach the gospel, it's talking about sharing the word, sharing what Jesus has done in our life through the word. You know, I don't think that it has to be literal chapter and verse. Because, you know, we can get so mechanical with that. But I, we need to know, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but we need to know the gist of the word. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, you know, pastor, I just, I just can't memorize. Well, then remember, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins so that you can be saved. And you know what? When I share that with somebody, that's sharing John 3.16 with them. And that's what I believe. You know, we, we, we get so, well, you know, Pastor, it's got to be King James. You know, one, one, one of my pet peeves. Now, I know I shouldn't get into pet peeves today because <clears throat> we're exhorted this morning not to. But one of my pet peeves are people that share really ignorant things at ignorant times. You know, uh, and so we have a, you have a room full of convicts. Um, drug addicts, everything else that you can, 
And so we're going to, we're going to share with you tonight the good news. And the good news that I want to share with you tonight is, first of all, you must read the King James Bible. Because the King James Bible is the God-inspired Bible. And so if you don't read the King James Bible, you're, you're subject to, I can show you here in the King James Bible, but I won't go into that. Now, I've got nothing against the King James Bible, other than the fact it's really hard to read. You know, and, you know, for four years when I was first saved, I was so boneheaded, all I would read was the King James Bible. My wife read the New Living Bible. And she got a whole lot more out of it than I did. I can tell you that right now. <clears throat> but, but see, this is, this is what I don't understand. So it's got to be the King James Bible. Now I use it for study because it's, it's coincided with the Strong's, which many of my study helps work with. But this is my question. If everybody has to read the King James Bible to get anything out of it, what do you do if you speak Spanish? Because King James is English. There is no King James Spanish Bible. There is no King James Chinese Bible. There is no King James Italian Bible. Well, why is King James in English? Because King Jimmy was English. Why is the King James Bible in English? Because King Jimmy was English. And he set it in motion. Thank God for King James and the King James Bible. But you know what? Don't... If you're sharing Jesus with somebody, you don't have to use the these and the thous to be effective. You can just be real. And you know what? We're going to get so much further with people being real. But it does take the Word of God. And the Word of God is the truth. <clears throat> I've got him in the notes. I guess I forgot that I had this in there. Matthew 9, 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We do have a responsibility to pray. But you know what? When we pray something, we need to be willing to carry out that prayer as well. You know, don't, don't you ever want to not just simply be a prayer, prayer but be an answer? prayer you know <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago I got a really different kind of a phone call and so I, I, I answered the phone and, and this, this person on this other end the lady on the other end she had a really weak voice and so she begins to share with me that 
she was, she's in the hospital and she's really sick and, you know, they'd given up hope on her a couple of times, but God's been faithful to her and, and she doesn't have any family or anything that she's away from them. And, and uh, so she was wondering if I'd be willing to pray for her. And I said, sure, I'd, I'd be happy to pray for you. And so, um, you know, and I thought, well, you know, if she's just in the hospital here or one of the neighboring communities, rather than just pray over the phone, I'll just, I'll just drive over in person and pray with her. And, and so I said, uh, <clears throat> so uh, are, are, are you in the hospital here in town? And I, she says, yeah, I'm, and she says, well, where's here in town? I said, Jefferson, Iowa. She says, well, I'm in San Diego, California. And uh, I said, oh, <laughs> thinking, well, that's a little bit far to commute. And, uh, but, but I'm talking with her, and, you know, I, I think what she did was she went online and found us online and found a number. And, you know, first she asked me if I'd been on Sid Ross, and I said, no, no, I don't think that was me. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, she asked me if, if I'd pray with her. And you know what? I prayed with her. And I prayed, and I'll probably never hear from her again. But I expect something to happen in her life because um, I was able to put some action into that prayer and pray for an individual that was at need and was alone and lonely and had nobody available. I, I just think it's really interesting that, you know, I, I, I said, well, we're, we're in the cornfields of Iowa. And she said, oh, really? <laughs> I said, yeah, we, we really are. And, uh, but you know, I think when we're willing to be used for God, there's a lot of really different things that begin to happen in our life. We can say, well, it was a mistake, or that was quite a coincidence, or, hmm, could it be a God incident? Could it be he because he wanted to use a particular vessel. You know, <clears throat> don't take this wrong because God really does need our talent. But at the same time, he really doesn't need our talent. Really what God needs is a vessel. He needs somebody who is who's willing. You know, you, you've all heard my testimony of the night when I got called into the ministry in Ankeny, Iowa and little Assemblies of God's Church there and, and preacher preached on the double portion and felt there was somebody there that was called into the ministry and so Becky and I went forward and he prayed for us and you've heard my story how that night I'm laying in bed and I'm informing God that he had made a mistake, that there's no way that I could ever be a preacher. I don't read good enough. I'm too stupid. I'm afraid to get in front of people. You know, all those things are kind of a bad combination if you're going to be a pastor. And so I was informing him of all these things. And, and then he dropped a scripture in my heart. And I could literally see myself preaching the message and at the end of the message, ministering to people 
And then at the end of it, he says, see, you don't have to do it. You just have to allow me to do it through you. It doesn't matter who we are. That, that was for me at that time. But you know, I believe that that word is true for each and every one of us, that God wants to take us beyond our abilities. You know, sometimes we look at our abilities as being limitations, but he wants to take us beyond that. He wants us to get, he wants to, get us to that point where we're totally reliant upon him. And well, what does this have to do with us being a witness? I believe it has everything to do with it because I believe that 99.9% .9 of us feel inadequate to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We have this fear, what am I, what am I ever going to say? You know, um, like when we go to Honduras, when we go door to door, I hate it. Don't tell Sarah this. I do. Because I am so totally out of my element. You know, and, you know, when, when, when I was in Ankeny and got involved in evangelism explosion, you know, when we, when we made warm calls, those were calls of people that had visited the church and said they wanted somebody to call them. That was, that was easy because they had already invited you to the house. But if you ran out of those, then we'd go to apartment buildings and we'd do cold calls. You just knock on the door and, and oh, I hated it. To this day, I hate it. But I can do it. Because I don't do it in my strength. And I share that with you because I want you to know something. There, there's people that feel so guilty because they feel like they don't have this tremendous desire to go out and just share Jesus with everybody. Join the club. You know, it's, it's easy to share Jesus in the front of the church. That's the easiest place in the world to do. The, the tough place to do it is when you approach somebody one-to-one. -one. And especially when they don't want to listen to you in the first place. But you know what? We can do it. Because of what Jesus has done in our life. And so we need to have our, our confidence in him. And that's why John 14 is so important. John 14, 26, it says, But the helper... Everybody say, thank God for the helper. What would we do without the helper? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Why is that so important? I think that's so important because I think so often we, we feel inadequate because once again going back to we don't have chapter and verse but let me tell you something if, if we've read it if we've heard it he can bring it to our remembrance <clears throat> you know when I went through confirmation 
I went through confirmation because I had to. And so every Saturday, we have to go and study all this stuff that I really thought was boring. You know, and so couldn't wait for a break because then we could go out and play football. But then we had to come back in and we had to go through confirmation, had to memorize all this stuff. And, you know, Palm Sunday, that year after confirmation, he had to sit up in front of the church and be questioned upon the catechism. And, and there were four of us. So do you know how many questions each one of us had to answer? A lot. Yes, a lot. A lot. A whole lot. Mercy. No wonder kids are leaving the church. You know, but uh, as soon as that was over, whew, done with that. Didn't think about it again. Got born again in the basement of Vern Lewis's house. And stuff I couldn't even remember reading came back to my remembrance. We'd be in Bible studies and I would, I, me, I would come up with stuff and I would think, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from confirmation. Couldn't have come after that because I didn't read my Bible after that except for about a three-week period after I was in a construction accident and saw death and that lasted for about three weeks. You know, a death experience will scare the hell out of you, but it won't scare life into you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And the problem with that is hell comes back. <laughs> but see, we know more than we think we know because we have the Holy Ghost. We're more equipped than we think we are because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm all for memorizing. I, 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 I love memorizing. I'm just not very good at it. I'm better than I used to be. But, but don't limit yourself to that. Take the limits off and say, I'm a vessel equipped to be used for the kingdom of God. You need to look in the mirror every morning and say, you good-looking vessel. You're fit. You're equipped to be used for the kingdom of God because we are, because of what Jesus... See, the word is truth. In John 2, 32, it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And ultimately, what do we want to do? We want to see people free. The only thing that's going to set them free is truth. The only place we're going to find truth is in the Word of God. Ephesians 2.20, it says, having been, born, having been built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 
Now all I want you to see through that is that Jesus moved, God moves through people. You know, people say the apostles and prophets, that, that's all stuff of the past. No, it's not. He's still using people today. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me. He wants to use us to be able to share the good news. But you know what, if we don't see it as good news, it's hard to share good news. But when we do, it's easy. Because all we have to do is tell people what wonderful things the Lord has done in our life. Because that's what our testimony is. Just simply telling people how good God's been to us. Because let me tell you something about people. People are looking for somebody that's been successful because they don't have it. We run into them every single day. We encounter, we run into people that are hopeless. And uh, we begin to share how good our life is. And you know what? Eventually they'll say, okay, what is it? You know, we think it's going to make people mad, but you know what? People are looking for real answers. And where they're going to find that is in Jesus. Just two last scriptures and then we'll close. Romans 1.16. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also to the Greek. And see, Paul received that revelation. There was his will for all to be saved. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 1.21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolish message, the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Well, and we hear all kinds of stuff about that, how this whole Christianity stuff, it's foolishness. We, we need it because we're weak. I admit it. I'm weak. Only, I'm so weak, one crutch isn't enough for me. I have to have two crutches. I got Jesus under one arm and the Holy Ghost under the other arm. And they're helping me on my way to the Father. And that's what he's there for each one of us so that we might experience victory. So be a witness. Amen? Because you're equipped for it. You've been given authority so that we can effectively fulfill the command, the commission of God, which is to preach the gospel in all the world. Be blessed and have a marvelous week in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember.